I want you to turn to probably the most important classic Christmas passage, which is in Luke chapter 2. So in the New Testament, which is the latter half of the Bible, you have Matthew. And in Matthew, you will find the account of uh, the wise man. You'll find the account of Joseph and some of the different things going on. And you have Mark, which kind of gets right into the action. And Luke starts at a different place with Mary and the angel coming. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 2, which kind of comes right to that Bethlehem time and the birth of Christ. You know, the, the account of Christmas, if you really kind of step back and look at the whole thing, is pretty astonishing, isn't it? I mean, you have angels showing up to uh, a young woman and a young man, as well as some of their family members, kind of setting up this whole Messiah who's coming. You'll, you'll read about a birth in a stable. You'll read about shepherds who are uh, you know, have these angels appear to them. We're going to read that this morning. Wise men who come from far off who are reading the stars in the sky. And it, it has every element of this grand tale. In fact, I think that's why so many in our culture and throughout our world have diminished this nativity story, the story of Christ's birth, to kind of a quaint fable. It just seems too, too far-fetched. It just simply becomes a nice backdrop to, to Christmas. But can I tell you this? That the Christmas story is actually the beginning of all of the great hero stories, those epic adventures, right? That God himself, the God of the universe, the God who created everything, would come to earth looking like us. I mean, flesh and blood, born like children are born, nothing, uh, nothing special, nothing, you know, incredibly supernatural about it, just a birth, but ultimately in a stable. And he came for one reason, to do battle against evil and to rescue those, which is us, who were wounded and who were lost. I want you to think for a moment of all the action movies that you like. I know some of you here are like, I don't like action movies. Just play along with me, okay? Because I want you to think of the action movies that you've seen, or, or books, or stories, or any of those things. And there's literally thousands upon thousands of these stories over the ages. And in every hero rescue story, there is a common theme that happens. And there is a moment in all of those when, when it seems like all hope is lost, right? I mean, think about movies. I'm not going to do any spoilers on Star Wars or anything today, but there is this moment in every action rescue movie when we go, ah, oh, it's over. All hope is gone. The hero didn't make it. Evil is going to triumph. Bad guys are going to win, right? Think of every action story. Can you imagine if at that moment you're, you're sitting in the theater and it's like, oh man, something happened and it's like the good guy is taken out. Can you imagine if right at that moment up on the screen pops these two words, the end? We'd be going, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. We're only 30 minutes into this movie. It cannot be over yet. I mean, we'd be demanding our money back. We would go to the box office and want something different to happen. It's like, it cannot happen this way because we've been conditioned. And here's, here's what we've been conditioned to understand in those stories. When everything seems like it's over and done, there's this little sliver of hope, right? 
we know something is going to happen. We know something is going to change. It's the hope we have. So I'm going to go back, and this, this is a generational thing, but several decades ago, there was this movie, and now there's been a whole franchise around it. But the, the, the movie uh, was about this character, and his name was Indiana Jones, right? Have you seen those, those movies? Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom, you know, all these different things. And you remember in all those movies, there is a moment when the, when the bad guys win, right? The Nazis have, you know the Ark of the Covenant or, or the chalice or whatever it is, and it seems like all hope is gone. He's been, you know, beaten, tortured, thrown off to the side. Our hero is dead, right? And then you hear this. Dun, 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 dun. And you're going, okay, it's not over yet, you know? Every movie. Or think of those movies when, when the good guy gets pushed over a cliff or some fight or something like that, and you think, oh, he's gone. And it's usually kind of foggy down there, and then what happens? This hand comes, right, and grabs the edge of the cliff. Have you ever held yourself up by one hand? Yeah, it doesn't happen, okay? Hardly anyone can do that. But these guys, no matter what kind of shape they're in, man, they grab that and they pull themselves back up because we know, we know that the hero is going to survive. And you know how you feel when the hero comes, right? There's this little surge in us. Now, I may be over-dramatizing it, but when we watch or we read those stories, there's this little surge, and, and here's what it says, whether we recognize it or not, that wrongs are going to be put right, that justice is going to be done, that good will triumph over evil in the end, that rescue has come for those who are stuck or lost, and that little surge you feel, can I tell you what that is? It is at the very smallest level a taste of joy. And that joy is born out of a sense of hope. And all of those movies and all of those stories, all of those hero rescue moments, can I tell you this? They are not original because they link back to one grand epic story that was true of when the Messiah, the rescuer, Jesus, came. When everything seemed dark, when this world was, according to the Bible, groaning, groaning because of what was going on. And they think, can anyone rescue us? And I told you this last week, all through the Old Testament, there's this phrase, how long, oh Lord, how long? When is rescue going to come? When are, when are things going to change? When all was dark, when all was lost, the hero came to rescue us and to bring us life. And I want to read to you kind of the, the core that when the story really changed is in Luke chapter two. And we'll start at verse one. So I want you to follow along with me. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. And he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. 
That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. Now I want you to catch this. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, because it was just as the angel had told them. Now, there is something in that first Christmas that bursts with joy. And I want to challenge you this Christmas season, and I, I don't know when your family exactly celebrates Maybe you're a Christmas Eve family. Maybe you're a Christmas Day family. Maybe you're not going to do it till later next week because family are coming in from out of town. I don't know what it is, but here's what I want to challenge you to do. Get out your Bible, and sometime during the celebration, maybe right before a meal, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, and I want you to read those 20 verses to your family. Recenter your family. Recenter your friends. And maybe this Christmas is just, is just you. Maybe it's just you and a friend. Get your Bible out and recenter about this hero who has come to rescue us, to save us, to bring us life. And it all begins in Luke chapter 2. This December, we've talked about how Jesus has come to be light in our dark world, which brings us hope. And then what we're going to look at uh, today is how hope always overflows into joy. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5. Three small words. He says this, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Now, if you haven't had a really good week or a really good month, you read that and go, I'm not going to be joyful. You're almost like kicking back at it going, that's really hard for me to do. But I think joy needs a closer look from us. We sing this song, Joy to the World, right? And that means everyone, everywhere. And the question I have is, is that really possible to have joy in this world? But I will tell you this, if joy is going to work, if it's going to be possible, it has to work in an imperfect, sometimes ugly world. And that's what the message of Christmas really is, that God came to this wounded, broken world, and in Jesus Christ, he showed us that joy is possible right here, right now. Not because everything's perfect or everything gets fixed or, or all the situations in life turn out how we thought they would. The joy is possible in the middle of imperfection, in the middle of challenges, in the middle sometimes of pain and of loss. I've heard someone say one time, joy is a choice, that it just doesn't happen but the question for me is, well, then how do I choose it? So I'm going to take just a few minutes, and we're going to let some guys show us how to get from 
where we're at today to this place of joy. And we're going to learn from these guys who are at this first Christmas, the shepherds. They were out in their fields near Bethlehem, and God brought them a message of joy. And they made some choices, and we're going to look at that. And they're the same kinds of choices that you and I can make today that allow joy to flourish and take root. So write this down for number one. The good news of Jesus makes joy possible. The good news of Jesus makes joy possible. Have you ever been in a, in a time or a season or just kind of a place in your life where it's just, it's just sad, it's painful, maybe depressing, and you're just at that place going, you don't even know where to turn next. And suddenly you get a message, and it's a message of good news that maybe you didn't even expect. And it, it kind of changed everything. So maybe you've had some health issues and you've been waiting on some test results and you've been fretting and worrying about it and you've been losing sleep and it's just been super stressful. And then you get a call from the doctor and they say, we got your test results in and we've got good news. And you don't even hear anything else they say after that, right? Because you just go, I just got good news. The test results came back negative or whatever it might be. And you're maybe worried about cancer or something. And now it's like, oh, it's the best news ever. It changes everything for you. Or there's this financial responsibility. You have some bill that's come and you have no idea how you're going to pay it. No idea. And you look and you go through your, your finances and you go online to your accounts and you're just, you're worried and you're stressed and you're anxious. And then you get this email or you get this response back and they say, oh, we miscalculated your bill and it's actually, you know, way less. And you go, <laughs> This is amazing, right? That good news changes everything. Let me give you one more example. You're a student and you've calculated your grade for the semester and it is not good. It is not good. And then you get your grades and you're almost nervous to, to look at them and open them up and you do. And you got a way better grade than what you thought, what you calculated. And you're thinking, I am not recalculating because I don't want to you know, kind of jinx this in any way at all. And it's like, it's the best news ever. All of a sudden, in those moments, something happens in your soul. Now, that feeling that you have is actually the result that circumstances ended up being better than you thought. But what you got in that moment of hearing good news was a taste of joy. A taste of joy. Now, you're still basing it on circumstances, but it's a taste of what real joy looks like. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10 again. It says, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy. Good news that will bring great joy. Now think of the shepherds. They're out there watching their flocks. Now I'm not a shepherd in the animal sense. I get to be a shepherd in the spiritual sense, but not in the animal sense. But I can tell you this, I've been around sheep. I've seen sheep. They're not that exciting to look at when they're awake. They're really not exciting when they're asleep, let me tell you. And so these guys are at night, not a very exciting time. And all of a sudden in that routine, ordinary life, God breaks through with this message of joy. Just like he wants to break through into your routine, ordinary life today and bring you good news. See, I know we think, I, I just showed up today because it's kind of Christmas weekend. But God wants to speak to you good news that will bring great joy. In the middle of your life, whatever it is that you're facing, he says, I bring you good news. You think, well, what's the good news? That all my problems will go away? That there'll be no issues or conflict? No, it's not that. 
It's that Jesus has come, and he's come to save us, to rescue us, to forgive us, and to draw us close. In the Old Testament book of Habakkuk, it says this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. God has come to bring us good news. He's come to tell you, and he's come to tell me, I love you. I am for you. I will be with you. And he tells us that I will forgive you and give you a fresh beginning. Good news brings great joy into our lives. But again, one of the problems is joy sometimes only lasts as long as the good news lasts, right? So how do you find good news that can can last the rest of your life through any circumstances? Well, in James 1, it says this, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, so I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand, but all of us have had troubles come our way, right? Some of you are, are in the headlights of trouble coming your way right now. Listen to what he says. Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, joy isn't in the troubles. We don't, we're not joyful because we have troubles. The joy is in the fact that God can work even through the struggles of life as I trust in him and help, uh, have him help me become more and more like him. See, this is the amazing good news that the hero has come, the king has come to give us this message of hope that we can know him, that we can have his presence in our imperfect lives in an imperfect world. Write this down for number two. Pursuing Jesus opens the door for joy. Pursuing Jesus opens the door for joy. See, the shepherds heard the angels tell them to go and find a baby wrapped in a blanket, lying in a manger, which is really a feeding trough for a cow. And they did it. And when they did, they found the source of joy. They didn't even know they were looking for it, but they found it. Here's what it says in verse 15 of Luke 2. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. You ever think... So why did they go? I think because they actually believed what they heard these angels say. I mean, how often do you see an angel? How often do you see an army of angels? And they go, you know, I'm gonna do that. See, they could have said, "Uh, I don't know. I I mean, is that really what's, I mean, they could have doubted even after all that they'd seen. After the fact, they could have said, man, was that just a, mass hallucination. You know, what really went on there? They could have stayed in the fields outside of Bethlehem and never gone and always wondered what would have happened if we had gone. What could have happened if we went to see what the angels said? But they didn't have to live with that regret because they took the steps to to go and find Jesus. I think there are a lot of us that get stuck in the fields outside Bethlehem, kind of figuratively. We get stuck in the if-onlys and what might-have-beens. But you know, God has been calling, saying, trust me with your life, trust me with this decision, trust me with your relationship. But we get stuck and we wonder, what would have happened if we would have said yes to God? If only I would have said yes, if only I would have followed, if only I would have trusted. But I wanna tell you today that it's never too late to trust him. It's never too late. You don't have to wonder any longer what might have been because joy happens when you and I decide to pursue and to follow after Jesus. In Psalm 19, it says this, the commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. 
God's commandments bring joy. When we say, I'm gonna trust you and follow after you, it, it stirs hope in us, which kind of overflows into joy. And it always happens when we say, I'm gonna trust you and what you've said, God. Now, if I was to do a little survey here, a little word association, and have you say the first word that comes to mind, I don't say this out loud, but if I was to say 10 commandments, you know, what would you say? Some of you would think, oh, the law or the Old Testament or rules. You might think restricted. Uh, you might think those are, those are good. Those are good moral things. But we also might think they're, they're challenging and they're hard at times. But can I tell you this? God gave us those so that we could experience joy. He's our maker, our creator. He knows how we're wired. And because of that, he says, here's the guide and the truth for life. Not to ruin your life or to mess with your life, but to give your life joy. And here's one of the things I've realized, that when my circumstances don't turn out like I hoped they would, there is this deeper joy knowing that God is right here with me always. Joy is following God in spite of my circumstances. The last thing is this, write it down. Joy grows when I share it. Joy grows when I share it. So look at verse 17 of Luke 2. It says this, uh, this is when the shepherds had gone to see Jesus, that after seeing him, the shepherds, and here's this key line, told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. They saw Jesus and then they just went and started telling everyone, you'll never believe what we saw. You'll never believe what happened. That we were out on the hillside and, and you know, shepherds, you know, they weren't like the cream of the crop here. You know, people were probably dismissing them and saying, oh, no, you guys, where were you guys, where were you guys drinking out there? You know, they were probably wondering what was going on in the field. They said, hey, we saw the angels. They came and they told us, and we went to this, this, this stable and we saw the Messiah. And they, they just couldn't stop. And as they began to share it, it became, uh, in our terms today, it became viral they just couldn't stop sharing this good news that the Messiah had come. Because here's what I've found. Joy is really hard to contain. It seems to leak out when something has happened on the inside. So my oldest daughter, uh, if you ever want to have an experience watching a movie, you've got to see it with my daughter. Because she fully, fully inserts herself into the movie. I mean, like totally. And I know that sounds maybe like she's seven. She's 29, okay? She just loves it. She just, man, she just completely enters in. So if you're watching a movie, she's talking to the characters on the screen, you know? Like, no, no, don't do that, you know? And she's, she's having all, I mean, it, it's amazing and it's so fun to watch a movie with her because when things are tense, man, she's grabbing onto you. And when things turn happy, or joyful, she's like slapping you, like, this is great, you know, she's doing that, because she can't keep it inside. She is, she's amazing. Some of you know what I'm talking about. When something good, that good news hits into your life, maybe it is a good news from uh, a doctor, maybe it's that your grade was better. Man, it's so hard to just bottle that up. But I'll tell you this, it's even more so when God is doing something in you. Even when circumstances are hard, that joy just can't stay in. And I will tell you this, when you begin to share that joy, it becomes contagious and viral. 
In Luke 15, here's what it says about that kind of experience. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. That good news of Jesus Christ makes heaven have a party. That joy just spills over. There is more joy over that. And I'll tell you, when that happens in here, this good news of telling someone, a friend, someone who's close, a family member, a child, a parent, that God loves them and God can be at work in them. I know not every circumstance, not every trouble, not, not every problem is going to change, but the deepest part of our heart and soul can. And sharing that news, it changes us. It makes joy just multiply in us. When we can look at a friend and say, you can have a fresh start in life. God can give you new strength for your struggle and a new hope for your future. He says that's true for me and for you and the people in your life. And joy happens when hope abounds. And Jesus came to bring us light, to be our hope, and to plant and grow and take root joy in our lives. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this morning on this Christmas weekend, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the life that you bring. And thank you for the joy, Lord, that you establish and build in us. And God, this Christmas season, we want to walk in your peace. We want to celebrate you. And Lord, we're going to give gifts and we're going to eat food and we're going to laugh and, and be together with friends and family. And I pray in the midst of that, Lord, we would never lose sight of this is all because of you. Lord, for some in this room, I know that Christmas is a difficult season. There may not be a lot of family and friends around. In fact, it, it may even be lonely. But Lord, I pray that you would break through that loneliness and let each person know that they are not alone that you have come to be God with us. We love you and we thank you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name.